America is a country that loves underdogs and tricksters, hucksters and swindlers. We can see it everywhere in our media, from Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn to March Madness. We, the people, are not interested in knights in shining armor. The cultural mythology is not interested in noble, shining, flawless, distant King Arthur types who will one day return to be our saviors. Rather, we admire those flawed humans who can save themselves despite themselves. People like melancholic, alcoholic Ulysses Grant or young, sickly Teddy Roosevelt are who we admire. Perhaps it has something to do with our own founding as a country. Because when we look at ourselves as a country, we were founded by the dregs and scraps unwanted by the motherland. The pilgrims fled two countries. England sent us her convicts before Australia. And when we won our independence, we won by the skin of our teeth. So when we look at the men who led our independence movement, who embodies our underdog spirit the most? Who do we tell stories about? Is it noble George Washington, first among equals? Is it eloquent Thomas Jefferson, the voice of a nation? Is it the fiery man of justice, John Jay, or the man of science, Ben Franklin? No, it's crotchety John Adams and fiery Alexander Hamilton. John Adams has been the subject of both a musical, 1776, in an HBO miniseries, John Adams. Alexander Hamilton, of course, is the leading man of his eponymous musical, Hamilton. Today in our podcast, This American Musical, we'll focus on John Adams in 1776 and how he overcomes his flaws to save himself and his cause, the independence of the United States of America. The musical 1776 is about the political fight in the Continental Congress to sign the Declaration of Independence, a fight largely led by John Adams. It opens with John Adams moaning about the idle state of Congress, and right after, launches into the bombastic company number, Sit Down John, where the other Congress members shut him down. Oh, <laughs> 
From the opening line, we see that John Adams is a crotchety grouch of a man who cannot get along with anyone. Musically, this is reinforced by the loose call and response structure of the number. John Adams sings solo for the entire piece, and he sings the call for Congress to vote yes. This indicates his status as the underdog independent loner, as, of course, he's singing solo. Meanwhile, the Congress reinforces John's isolated position by singing the response in unison, singing for him to sit down, John, sit down, John, for God's sakes, John, sit down. This reinforces John as a minority, resisting the call of a crowd. Sit down, John, serves a broader structural purpose of drawing the audience into seemingly stodgy, dense colonial politics. In the words of the musical's librettist, Peter Stone, Sit Down John shows immediately that John Adams and others were not going to be treated as gods or cardboard characters chopping down cherry trees and flying kites with strings and keys on them. It has this very affectionate familiarity. It isn't reverential. The composer, Sherman Edwards, executes the, this irreverence by setting Sit Down John to a quick triple meter to convey the energy of John and the congressman shouting back and forth to each other. The quickness of the piece and the energy of the singers help break the audience impression of continental history as stodgy and boring, executing the job of the opening number to draw the audience in. And Edward still grounds the song in colonial America by backing it with horns and marching drum beats to add a martial anthemic texture to the song. Mm. John Adams ends the song by storming out of Congress, shouting how he will never give in. And the musical moves on to Piddle, Twiddle, and Resolve. In this song, John Adams continues to moan about how useless Congress is until his wife Abigail steps in with the song Till Then. Here's a little bit of Piddle Twiddle. Dear God, for one solid year they have been sitting here, a whole year, doing nothing. I do believe you've laid a curse on North America, a curse that we hear now rehearse in Philadelphia. A second flood, a simple famine, plagues of locusts everywhere, or a cataclysmic earthquake, I'd accept with some despair, but no, you sent us Congress, good God, sir, was that fair? Here in this song, we see a different side to John Adams. He starts as the same obstinate man who would never give in or compromise that we saw in Sit Down John, but transform into a softer man in love who gives in to his wife in the song Till Then. Pins, madam, saltpeter. Pins. Saltpeter. Pins. Saltpeter. Pins. Saltpeter. Pins. Peter. Pins. Peter. Peter. Don't stop writing. It's all I have. Every day, my dearest friend. 
Musically, the slowing of the tempo and a change from quadruple meter in piddle twiddle to duple meter until then conveys the softening of John Adams' emotion and abandonment of his hardline stances. We also switch from the solo column response structure John Adams and Abigail have been singing in during piddle twiddle to both of them singing in unison until then. This conveys the idea that John Adams can indeed work with another person and is not always an aloof independent. Later on, John Adams has convinced Congress to discuss the matter of independence, but the discussion goes disastrously for him. The delegates lean against independence and have agreed that all colonies will bind themselves to a single decision by Congress, and if the vote proceeds today, Congress will vote against independence. John Adams realizes that his grouchy, crotchety, obstinate self cannot single-handedly win Congress towards supporting independence. He has spited too many of his fellow congressmen to win their goodwill, but he manages to postpone the vote on independence to write a declaration on why the colonies must declare independence. John Adams realizes his own flaws as obnoxious and disliked, and recognizes that he cannot be the one to write the declaration. Instead, he brings his brash, uncompromising nature to force Thomas Jefferson to write the declaration in But Mr. Adams. Mr. Adams! Damn you, Mr. Adams! You're obnoxious and disliked that cannot be denied. Once again, you stand between me and my lovely With this declaration in hand, Adams persuades the delegates to vote yay for independence. And despite his nature, crotchety and unyielding, grouchy and tenacious, John Adams succeeds in pushing the United States towards independence. And in this flawed, shouty man, we the people see ourselves and our own flaws, and we see how we can still achieve and overcome despite those flaws. That is why America loves underdogs and tricksters, hucksters and swindlers. Thank you for listening.